happened last time. But no, we were. It shifted though, because now, oh no, shit! It's still me and Riley on this side, <laughs> yeah. but he's on yeah. top, and it's still. How does that happen? <laughs> it's the way of the world. Oh, just the balance of the, the way knows, things go. It, it knows. So, Life so for those of you who are here, welcome. This is Carpets and Coffee, where we do nothing scheduled, but it has a schedule. Mm-hmm. There's no script, but there is a script. Yeah, show about nothing. There's no plans, but we have ideas and plans. Yes, I have ideas, and we're actually very blessed this time around because uh, you, you the fourth member, give me fourth for member of the, of the <laughs> band is here. You're actually leaving? I have to. Yeah, I, got, I, have, to. I, have a, I have a barbecue with my sisters, but I'm like, it, it's, a, it's a Monday and I'm not working. I'm gonna be here for thirty minutes and try to at least fuck up as much as possible and then right. yeah yeah so right. some of some, some of our our uh, folks in the chat um and folks that'll be viewing this will will also maybe have some deja vu going because last night we did our uh patron uh private q a live stream and yep. uh that was a ton of fun that yeah. that one we went uh, almost to the limit to the point where they're going to kick us off and they kept threatening to kick us off and then they didn't so we stuck around longer going, and yeah. we finally left so, um, but yeah, that one. So if, the, if you're not a member of the, uh, the NPR inland carpet Python tier of Patreon, that gives you exclusive access to, um, <laughs> a once monthly Q and a, and then oh. we're also going to have, uh, we're going to have, I think, try and get backlog access to episodes that are slowly kind of getting, uh, removed from certain sites uh, as as exclusive access, so that's going to happen too. So, if that's something you're interested, go check out Patreon. Look up uh, Morelia Python Radio on there and <laughs> join and support these guys. Right? Oh wait, I got to do it like this. Let's see if I can do it. Nope. This this guy, that guy. Um, what? Shit. And the other thing is, I that think guy we should, and we should guy. have a diamond tier where we'll have um, director commentary to uh, older episodes of like, I don't know what I was thinking here. Please forgive me. No, like, you know, and that would just be Director's a constant cut. Would be Director's cut. Yeah. yeah. If we have all that. But yeah, you know. that would be funny. Yep. So yeah. So more tears to come. But if uh, even if you just want to send them five bucks a month, just to yeah. keep them going, keep the fire alive, tell them you, you love what they're doing, what they've been doing for the last decade, then I need, I need constant support or I will go away. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, it was funny. I was actually, um, Lucas was, was out working with me on Saturday and we went and got lunch. Uh, and I was telling I him spilled about iced tea on your car. I'm so sorry. Dude, you can't even tell. It's fucking, it's <laughs> like water. That is not the worst thing. Cause let's put it this way. I still uh, feel bad. It ain't back, sticky. It doesn't smell. That's, that's a good, that's good. Way back when, uh, I was driving a Ford Fiesta and I went and picked up a Jag at Eric's house. And this is this is constantly what happens is um, this is why Eric can't follow me out to my car anymore because then we'll spend another hour in his, in like his driveway or parked, and so we we pack up my car and then we're just out there talking and then we look over and the jag is loose just wicking around in the car and I'm like <laughs> I remember that I'm yeah. like we should get oh, that just yeah. doing so, this <laughs> like yeah, it was yeah. it, it was, it was, around. Oh, it was doing a lot it was. It was okay. So um, well, in that in in yes. our our brief car ride to lunch, I yes. was recapping a, a time how three years ago you guys almost, or I felt like maybe it was more than three years ago, almost stopped doing NPR because of a certain group of 
bastards and assholes. Uh, that was that wasn't Eric. That was mainly me. Well, um, one yeah. way or the other, there was a really shitty divide in the community at that point with some new folks with big mouths and little brains that almost push you guys to the point of being just so annoyed and so over it. Yeah, it it, it had the idea floated for a moment, and I'm <laughs> so glad. It uh, it didn't because like three years later here we are and you guys are still making magic. Well, it, it, cool it was stuff going. Well, it was Luke. It was Eric came over. We filmed a couple stuff and we posted up on YouTube. And I just right, got right. I just got rammed and like it was people yeah. accusing my animals of having nidovirus. People accusing me of hiding it. Mm-hmm, people doing mm-hmm. uh, talking that I don't know anything I'm talking about, which yeah. is true. I really just muddle through but I, the ironic it, part is but most, point of the, out. most of the people <laughs> who were saying that had Are literally gone, just gotten into carpet pythons that year yep and were yep. running their mouths and that's and his, there was I, I think there was at one point his videos sucked yeah well there were there were people wondering <laughs> why i didn't get my ass kicked at tinley to the point where like one of my friends was nothing to do with snakes he's like what you do in chicago i'm like i don't know like i don't <laughs> I would be totally like if I if if I remembered I would tell you but like yeah. I don't know if I rub and then my mind is like uh, I, I did I rub somebody the wrong way did I did I did somebody get the wrong impression did I piss somebody off by accident so and I never want to do that never want to do all that stuff so I was not. there was a whole week there where every day I was prepping how I was going to tell Eric that I'm quitting and it was like every day and then I would be like I'll tell him tomorrow and then it kept. <laughs> moving yeah. the stick kept moving so well i'm glad you didn't and i'm glad it's still around and i think yeah. uh everyone in the chat can can vouch for that and the people who were were running their mouths are no longer even involved in the community and most of their names never were re- remembered in the first place and here you are with a decade of mpr and an entire global audience so you they can't can defend, suck it you can't offend something that's not real so i think like sasquatch i think the uh yeah you know the whole thing with that is like i learned that if you're not if you don't have people that don't like you you're probably not doing something right. <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? that's that was the advice nick gave me because yeah. i talked to him Just during not, that week and he's yeah. like if you're not pissing somebody off you ain't doing it right i'm like okay i, I don't let it affect me you know i mean there's it people, is it is troubling it's like tough. it sucks it mm-hmm. sucks to yeah. feel like you've you've offended or hurt somebody potentially even if you disagree with what they're complaining about like it it's kind of a shitty feeling inside so like I yeah get that. yeah 100 yeah, but like i don't know <laughs> like i just screw them <laughs> what the fuck is up with this right here because <laughs> i the yesterday chat? first off it's a capital i sir um but it i i was <laughs> when, when we were what? comparing yesterday riley and i went like this i'm like oh that shit's long so i got a haircut and i trimmed it and now <laughs> apparently lucas is the sentient beard of like yeah. uh, i don't understand what's happening <laughs> you guys i've been changing it this whole time in the green room it said my name a ball rat <laughs> oh no someone learned a new trick oh. and now he must be beaten i thought uh, he's oh. pointing to the chat but he's pointing to owen point yeah lucas. it takes yeah, me a while it does oh, it. Yeah. all right well okay. it's no oh, it's man. um and, oh, by the way, Riley, you were upgraded to intern one yesterday because Lucas kept messing up. So um, <laughs> hopefully you keep it longer than he did. I, I mean, forget I, how long he had it. I, I feel like I, I should 2, always points. Yeah, I should always well. outrank yeah. him as his as his manager of employment. 
Luke, you, Lucas, you're back to intern one now because I like the idea of that. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Like at one point, Riley's the boss, and then like they leave the building in this, like it flips. Like so, name tag comes off. He, hey! it off he hasn't it's, got his master's degree yet. So we're yeah. still even. We're both and bachelor's degree. After though. a certain point, he's gonna know more than like me and Eric, and we're gonna be like, "So, intern, can you um do things for us?" It's like, yeah. <laughs> what do they call it? The student yeah. has become the master. The master. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you have all heard of the rule of two, have you not? Exactly. So you'll have mm. to kill Riley. Yeah. Huh? Nothing. Huh? Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. No, yeah, you're no. good, Riley. It's okay. I'm not sure I can be killed. My blood when it like it like glows electric red when like monitors scratch the crap out of like I got bit by this toke and I was bleeding all over the counter and my coworkers like what's wrong with your blood? It's really like electric red, like it's glowing. That's not right. And they thought, yeah, they thought I had like spider man powers. Seek medical attention, please. <laughs> no, I Go want to be Spider-Man, doctor. dude. That's no, not, that's not how that works. You're probably nah, anemic. Will you please just go to a doctor? <laughs> like it's, or he's a human alien hybrid. Yeah, it's not. I mean, either way, he's not right. Like, let's just all admit one thing. Everybody who meets Riley, they're like, he's a cool guy. And then after about a month, you're like, well, he's not right. Something, <laughs> something wrong. But we still keep him around because he's funny. Aww. Don't be uh, mean to Riley. Yeah. What's all this negativity, oh. man? <laughs> I think we need a this virtual is, group. He's just roll. To, what he's doing is he's concentrating all his shots in the first. I have to get them all out now because I got to leave. Like 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 it, I got to. Oh, Eric, like Eric hold me. This coffee. is a dark place. <laughs> I, I did drink this, and normally I've not been drinking coffee. It's not good. <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah. This, is, right. this is this uh, is this is uh, usually a lot more chiller. Uh, when all right, well then, <laughs> guide me. I am your guest here, like you know. <laughs> all right. Well, so yeah, actually, so we do actually have a few things that we do on carpets and coffee every week that Eric has kind of made fun segments and really cool shit. And okay. so he does have some some things that every every show we try and you know inject into there somehow. If it doesn't flow randomly. It, it just happens, but um, yeah, it's it's a lot of free flowing random thought and a Do lot it. of discussions. But it also has to we we kind of touch on a lot of the stuff that uh, has been going on recently. Yeah. And Eric uh, so kindly collected a lot of those thoughts. Uh, he does it much better than me, and every time I'm always like, man, I really should be a little more organized like this because this is always impressive. So <laughs> should we uh, should we just dive right into it hit yeah hit let's, top do it. Of yes, and let's just yes. go yeah. all right stop teasing just i think it. i think we should start <laughs> with the uh the 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 greatest thing of all is the albino citrus tigers oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't um, see that note in there <laughs> <laughs> um so you know i actually i i dug up these two pictures here i don't know if i sent these to you i guess i didn't but i'm going to share them here live as we go right so these are the wow. caramel citrus tigers right Right. That I uh, produced. Uh, let's see. Do, do. So this one is a caramel. Top one. This one is not. So you can see like they both kind of have that red tinge to them. But that one is a little bit. It almost looks like this one shed and this and one, that didn't. one didn't. Yeah, that's yeah. what, what I mean. That, if you had told yeah. me like no other context i would have been like well one still needs to shed right so that makes that makes some sense interesting okay yeah, yeah. and then so now imagine my 
my extra added layer of challenge in knowing that they're at least like Darwin more than 50% Darwin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so their, their, their color spectrum is a little bit different, but there's a third one shedding right now. Two of the heads have shed and they have sort of two different looks. Um, Can you pop up the pictures of Riley's? Because I, I was looking at yep. them earlier. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, those do, should be do stuff should so. be in the... <laughs> on screen. Like it is. <laughs> uh, let's okay, Mister No Patience Pants. Yeah, in, right. In, Engage. Yes. Um, if I had, you know, like if you know my co-host, you would think would do things. I have like nothing. This, I, this, but, is, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> this isn't my show. I don't. I don't really. I have this nothing is to do here. Everyone's show. Oh, oh God. All right. So. First, the let's, let's, show. let's oh, put God. the albino up. I'm going to yep. uh, uh, share that first because. <sighs> Look at that thing. Holy yeah. hell. What, it, um, the one with like the, the spot pattern, like going down its back. Mm -hmm. Is that's, that it? Just really yeah, close. Yeah, there's the other yeah. one. Yeah. That, that's, that's really nice. Uh, I like Even that. I like that. I don't know why. but <laughs> Yeah, like, man. I look, it looks like I could eat it. <laughs> what? Like I strawberry mean, starburst, you know? I mean, all carpets are edible. I just don't think you really want to. Uh, <laughs> the um, contrast on this thing is. It's going to be killer when it gets big, you know? Yeah. Um, very cool. You know, odd thing with the citrus tiger, right? You notice how yep. it's like striping all the way. And then all of a sudden, like Man, at this dots. last, it's it's dots. Mm -hmm. you know? and, well, and, and then, then you got some bands trying. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, they're either fully striped all the way down like that and then uh -huh. go to some banding or they have the clean portholes all the way down. You're I mean, the your heads, heads show it off better. I say your heads are disgusting looking because it's like they have the the, the one hat you were showing today. Uh, I'm pulling up the picture right now of like the stripe that thing had was insane. And I'm like, ah, if only that was in the but that one like I that is awesome. Yeah. Um, that one's nicer. Yeah, somehow. That yeah, one, yeah. That one's a caramel, I think. Why the hell yeah. did the heads get the stripe? <laughs> like, God, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, but that the only one of the albinos has shed, and they're all striped. Um, it's so gonna be. It'll it, just it, be. It'll take a few more sheds to like really cleanly be able to see it and photograph it noticeably in the yeah. albinos. The heads are. Dude, the hats are gonna show off from day one. Man. Immediately, they're, they're yeah. wicked. They're so badass. They have so much contrast, even though they're so much Darwin blood in there. It's well, um, Eric, you've hatched albinos. I, I suck at it. Um, yep. How? Thank you. Yes, this is true. Go on. I'm listening. No, let's discuss more of Owen's failures. Let's keep going. Come on. Now we're talking. This is a safe place. I enjoy this stream of conversation. When do the like? With carpets, it's weird. It's like you think they're doing like that. The colors are great and awesome. And then right around like their year one mark, they shed and you're like, Holy shit. Like totally everything just changes on them. And it's like, <sighs> do albinos take longer or shorter because it's less color. To so, really kind of just impress. So my experience and hmm. I have only done crosses so far with albinos is, is that that's, it's sort of, they go through, it's sort of like the what you would see in a jungle carpet, right? As it uh, sort of ages, the color comes in. Um, but 
I think when they're small, the issue is always that, you know, like I think Riley was saying this yesterday, they're sort of like right before they're going to shed, they just turn like this solid pink. <laughs> and <laughs> you the, can't really oh, tell. I'll pee on the computer. <laughs> and then the exciting thing is, it's like when they shed, it's like it's like you have this new snake or something, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't really know. Nice, it's biting you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It is not a happy baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> this mi clutch did not get the nice part of it, as far as good behavior all around. They have no problem biting. So this is just a straight citrus tiger head albino. Actually, this is from the the clutch from your the mom, uh, right? The, the yeah of yeah yours, Riley. I think I need more of them. So you can I, see I have one that's going horribly not to good use over here. So the thing I liked about this one and why I kept one is you can see that it doesn't have as much banding at the tail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it sort of kind of got rid of that. So I was kind of excited for that's that. That's what I love about tigers. You're looking at it and you see the dots going down the sides and a layman would be like, well, it's not there. I'm like, no, no, the stripes are there. They're trying to connect. It's like, yeah. So like one breeding and all of a sudden you can have, Three stripes fully formed going all the way down the snake if you pick the right boy. So now with with my uh this is this is my original male citrus tiger. Um he I, I haven't bred him with uh to make albinos um because I usually use the an albino to the female, but I think what's gonna uh, really such. stand out with the um <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think what's really gonna stand out with the uh with the with the albino is all this like kind of like gray yeah you know I, so this is gonna be white right yeah. the black will be white and then and it'll then, be outlined with white and then this will be you know you'll see those portals pop and then this will be I think lavender that's what I was hoping for yeah. like you I know, know what I mean that well, obviously, you said black is the, on that snake. All the black parts are going to be white. Right. I think all the, like the gold yellow parts are going to be yellow. Yeah. But everything else is like that's the thing is why this kind of morph project doesn't work on like a Burmese python because then it's like oh, it's yellow and white all the way. Right. Oh. Darwin's and carpets kind of lend more colors, lavender, pinks, things like that. So it's still going to be kick ass like a pattern so yeah i really want to i'll be excited when the other five albinos shed out so i can mm -hmm. really see because there are two that when they were first out of the egg um not only to the eye but even in photographs were less contrasted and those are the two that i i feel like are probably not caramel albinos there's three that i have questions on um so like i'll double check but they don't have as much contrast and they yeah. are more pink and white. Whereas the ones that I'm pretty confident of caramel are like orange lavender and like a little bit of pink in there. And you're, you're dead on Eric, that, that negative space behind all the portals where it's gray. Yep. And this first one that shed out, it stayed, it stayed lavender, which is. Yeah. Yeah. I so know, I think see. it's, I think it's going to be, you know, and this, this was one of the, this is the one het that I held back and you can see where that, uh, hold on, I'll, I'll put it up. This it's is, this is after it's second shed. Um, yeah. There. So you can see how that, mm -hmm. see how that, like, it looks burnt almost, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. That'll look orange and real pretty in an albino. Yeah. It, it's going to yeah. take time and it's going to be hellishly hard to photograph. I'll tell you that much. 
So yeah, because they um, they'll look their best at like two or three years old. Yeah, I mean, do black backgrounds. It's the only way. They're like that's the yep. only fucking way. Yep. If you put that animal on a white background, it's going to be like little red eyes, and that's all yeah. we're going to be able to see. That's a good so, point. That's yeah. a really good point. Um, I have good points. Every what's, once in a while. what's funny about and that? I reward though, you for them. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what's thank funny you. is like, I you know I had those hats. And I still have like a majority of them. I think Owen, you have one, and yes. Riley, you have another, and I think that's it. I have the rest of them. So and for uh, everyone listening, hit up Eric for some pets. Before <laughs> yeah, they're gone. I mean, if you want the building blocks, they're already here. <laughs> like it's, but they, I had them on my website for the longest no. time, and like nobody cared, but now they will. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know, better. Yeah, yeah. It's so. you finally see the end product, and that's why yeah. everybody jumps all over it. I mean. Right. So, right. of course, somebody's going to care now. Well, and um, I hope also Chris Salemi has success with his pair. Oh, he's, he's another one. He has yeah. the, uh, he's, another one. Yeah. He's got a het female, I think. And het he's male. Been bre- het male. And yeah. he's been breeding it to a, a rather stripy albino Darwin, I believe. Yeah, he had the what i would say so i was i was very curious on how his was going to turn out because it was very it, it looked you very one, different you got than, the other look right the more banded yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 his has a nice stripe on it but it's okay. more like um uh it's more like the the satch if you will like it it's a darker it's not it doesn't have as much of that gray Right, it's yeah. just more solid. So I would say my female's kind of like the same. She's got a lot. She's got a lot more black on her, and she's also heavily banded by the the rear. And I'm I'm just hoping to. I have my Darwin male that I've been trying to breed her with, and I was actually thinking about this year either, you know, cashing out and letting the project like sending her to Riley or something like that. But I might just hit up Eric and be like, "Do you still have a het male kicking around?" Because then it'd be I like, do. "Here, <laughs> like just toss them yeah. together and be like, make." those and yeah see what happens. Yeah. So. do it yeah. man i'm do actually it. uh i was thinking uh riley you wait you have a female right yeah female okay. yeah i so and i, I, I have gonna... a male you sent me a male oh okay mm. you did right. send me a male it's right. uh it's the other look it's the more um yeah. burnt orange coming up the sides not the the portholes with the gray more of the the, the pinstriping banded so i've got right. him and i and i do want to put him over this this female because i want to see what a citrus tiger back to a citrus tiger right yes yeah. without without any other things sort of convoluting and, and messing with what i could be seeing like I, i'll just know it's pets and visuals don't have to yeah. you know decipher anything else other than seeing what the two looks going together results in and how that contributes to an albino because i don't think you would get the same color spectrum right. as these ones right. i think you would get just as good contrast but i don't think you'd get the crazy oranges that i think the caramel is putting in you want to pile it up double down see what happens yeah my yeah. goal with the citrus tiger stuff was always to make you know like you had this you know you had like with jags you have gamma Mm. Right. And like that translates over and over and over and over again into those projects, whether it's crosses or just making other, you know, gamma jags or whatever. Um, but, you know, to do that in the tiger form, right. To me, the citrus tigers was like the gamma version of the citrus or the gamma version of a tie. You know what I mean? And mm, like right. you're getting that crazy color and the contrast. So that, that was always my goal was to try to, sort of take that line and sort of make it make it like that try to 
cross it into various stuff and all. Like, oh. I don't know. I have hats, and I don't know what they're going to do, but I bred them to granite stuff. <laughs> well, and I have to stop getting that eye twitch when you do that kind of crap because it's all going to be together. It, well, that's the other thing. Is like, we'll... We, and we talked, we kind of touched on this yesterday. Will you see a reinsurgence of these projects? Because if everything, if the new book comes out and jungles and coastals are the same fucking thing, like this high con citrus tiger, all that stuff. Ooh, now it's pure. Cute. Now it's a thing. Now people who were on the fence about this now stuff, it's pure <laughs> now, now it is. Now it's pure. Yeah, no, it, it's a really good point. And Owen gets yeah. redemption. Finally. I no, had an I, HCQ no, that I gave icons, to my coworker so. for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, yeah, I was like, "Oh, it's Jungle and Coastal." Jungle here. Coastal. <laughs> oh, yeah. take this yeah. <laughs> before they take away my carpet card. Yeah, I need to get the uh, now all the regulations. We're burning the book of regulations. So, I mean, basically, I don't know. I don't now, know. It, now be it becomes a line bread. Now it's your. Now it's Eric's line bread albinos, tigers. Well, I didn't breed them. Riley did. Yeah, but <laughs> it's your well, line. But, I, but it's so so here's the thing. It's your Eric, shit. Eric kind of owns the rights to it, in, in my opinion, because he bought pretty much the entire project from Wilbur. Uh, oh yeah, that was infuriating. Yeah, he's been the one. <laughs> he's been the one. That I want this tiger the, sold. Eb, fuck this guy. Yeah, <laughs> he bought all of them and then kept them and then paired some, made the first group and then took those and he's you know, doing his stuff with them. And so after that first generation, every step afterwards can, you know, to me qualifies it as his line. All I've done is just taking the pieces that he's made and just put them together. I would have to then take that a step further reproduce of my own creative approach that is different to his and do that two more times in order for me to have a deviant line that stems and originates from his. Right. right. That's how I feel it. <clears throat> it's your line. Take it or I will. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious of where you where do you where do you want to take the project, uh, Riley? Like, where do you see like what's your. Well, next so step I, for you. I, uh, so I have besides caramel, bringing it back to such citrus. Yeah. Right. I do want to, I do want to, um, I want to do a citrus tiger hat to a citrus tiger hat without any caramel or anything. See how that goes. Yeah. Eventually I want to do uh, a citrus tiger hat to a visual, uh, from this clutch. And then I also want to put, um, if I still have him down the line, cause he's just been sitting here doing nothing for six years. Um, eventually I want to see what a super caramel citrus tiger looks like. Um, so I've got a male caramel that is, in my opinion, the epitome of an A plus quality caramel animal. It comes from Nick Mutton stock. Travis produced it for me, right. uh, produced a bunch from years ago and just phenomenal animals. Unfortunately, I lost the female who is even stellar, just amazing. I don't, she just spontaneously up and died. Um, so I, I think I'd like to see what a super caramel citrus tiger looks like, although it would take some proving out, but I really yeah. want to like put more contrast on the black and yellow in the, just the normal version and then somehow bring more of that into the albino stuff later on. Gotcha. You can branch it because there's several projects. I mean, you might start building. I, I like the idea of getting less caramel or no caramel and mm -hmm. just seeing what that takes you, but you can start building and trying to push the lavender stuff. And I mean, if you, right. if we can have things like lavender Cali Kings, like al lavender albino Cali Kings, that it's, 
mostly not white. It's mostly lavender. You can push for that, and then you I, can try to see what that does. I also think injecting hypo into the citrus tiger. Will now be you've stupid. gone too far, and I, I think it'll and be I stupid. Say no. Yes. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, think, I, I, think, I agree. I think uh, like if somebody, if you could do a caramel or no, uh, a hypo Balin tiger, something like that, a hypo tiger of some good caliber to a, a citrus tiger, just a really nice non-albino related citrus tiger. I think that would be just yeah nuts. And, so, and I, go ahead, I mean, I, I say I'm, I also think we're just still scratching the surface when it comes to things like hypo tigers and things like that, because people have just been like tiger and then breeding it to, Oh, that thing. Um, so, <laughs> and here we go. Here we go. Now it's, I think people <laughs> have just been taking hypos and breeding them to the tigers that they have available. Balin has been taking hypos and breeding them to the original line tigers, which are like those bone white tigers. So that really just has the hypo color and no yellow kind of mixing it all up. So you can kind of go a little bit further with that. So it's just in a couple more years, we're going to have insane hypo tigers caramel tigers so putting those kind of things with insane citrus tiger albinos is just going to bring it all to another level but now i will pause so eric can talk about this my next <laughs> my next step with the citrus tigers is to see what happens when you inject the red into them so my feeling mm. is right because citrus tigers are you know have that questionable animal is it a jungle is it a coastal is it a caros whatever <clears throat> my feeling is is that it's going to produce something similar to this yeah um but imagine that color right yeah but striped this well, just would be insane well I imagine that would be that yeah well, but imagine that animal but and white and lavender and stuff like that like imagine that with the albino like I, I wouldn't like. So I think yeah. the red is going to make the color. Yeah. What's going to happen when you in, induce, the, put the hypo into it? It's going to take away the black, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, to me, I want to try the red first because I don't necessarily. I I want to like have that contrast, so I don't necessarily want to lose that to see what that is, and then I would take that red, and then cross the hypo into it and see what happens. You know. What do you think? about me down the line putting an exantic tiger to one of these albino caramel albino citrus tigers well and then we're so, talking a ghost project uh, essentially kind yeah of. well i well, would think so correct me if i'm wrong right you know one of the things that used to like get me going when i was into ball pythons was when they would take like pastel exantic <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know yeah. um What's what's that? The, well, in the, when I was in the ballpark, like, when the hell did, did I miss something? Yeah. Well, Is this no. What I, you talk about on this show? No, no, no. When I first got back into all right, all whatnot, right. you know, I I, I did the dark days. I got world into the ball pythons, but you know, yeah. I just sort of like uh, you know, um, I just didn't didn't do it for me anyway. Um, but the 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 thing was, and and I, this is where I kind of disagree with Nick. I know what he said. Man, my allergies are bad today. God damn. I kind of I, I understand what he's saying when as far as like if you're, you know, Exanic is taking yellow away, why would you breed it to something yellow? But I think that like the coolest Exantic stuff that I've seen is stuff that's had yellow in it. You know, right. like look at Exantic jungles in Australia. To me, it's crazy. Yeah. Thing. You know it's what beautiful. I'm saying? Yeah. So when you have the black, you have that gray 
and you have the yellow in a citrus tiger, to me, if you're going to put that exantic into it, that animal is going to be, it's just going to pop. It's yeah. yeah. porcelain white. So many, yes, there's so yeah. many directions yeah. you can go with. That. I also think, I think, um, so you know how you see snows that are more like white with just that little bit of off white yellow peeking through on some? Yeah. I think an exanic caramel, or maybe not caramel, just an exanic citrus, ti- citrus tiger, it'll be white and yellow, but the white will almost look blue, I think. Blue or, or lavender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would think that it's going to be snows in certain forms of carpets. I think are going to resemble more like snows in corn snake where mm. you can see the pattern and there's pinks and greens and stuff like that on the pattern as well. Not like, you know, just straight up white snake or something like that. Right. So if we can, if there's colors that can be altered, enhanced and made more, we can play around with that kind of stuff. So you can do a lot, to be honest with you. It's my yeah. only crazy Dr. Frankenstein project that I've got going on. Good. I yeah, have many too. now. <laughs> I, I kind of like... Uh, it's refreshing, to be honest, yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I compare it to my, my not currently newfound, but like two years ago or a year ago, whenever when I first got corn snakes after keeping snakes for like 20 plus years, I finally decided to get corn snakes. I was like, dude, these things are freaking awesome. And the whole morph madness of it all doesn't stress me out for some reason in corn snakes. And it's just kind of refreshing. It's like, oh, I'm just going to make some, see what comes out. And bleh. yeah, doesn't matter what it is. If yeah. it's cool, it looks cool. See, Owen McIntyre is full of corn snakes. Just put them together. <laughs> Whatever comes out, that's right. a corn snake. It is what it is. It is right. what it, it's a corn snake. Good enough. But so, this will yeah. this will be a much more substantial project. It'll be, you know, years growing these up, breeding them, years raising up double hats, breeding them. That, you know, that's 10, 15 years potentially if yeah. – uh, yeah. If my my track record holds true, it takes a long time for me to get some projects, especially albino stuff going. I I still haven't. But uh, on that on this note, though, um, I'm getting text messages because unfortunately, I'm supposed to bring the beer to my father. Ooh. So, oh my, you're an important man today. I am. So I'm gonna go. I have to go uh, bring jim his rolling rock we can't have jim without rolling his medicine i I have to go bring him his medicine otherwise he's just going to be wandering around my sister's place wondering what's happening so i will hug from all of us i will will catch up with you guys later have fun all right uh next time i'm off on a monday i'll come back so (laughs) good all right bye guys see you later all right wow Uh, did anybody else just kind of like feel a shift in the winds <laughs> a change no, it's, in the, <laughs> it's 100 degrees here and i'm sitting in my snake room i don't feel any wind damn it <laughs> i feel lighter <laughs> i feel sticky and sweaty i'm just freaking hot here well, it's, <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's like i feel like uh you know sometimes owen's like he has to like like say all he can say in as much like he has like this little bit of time to say stuff so he just says stuff as fast as he can and he just wants to <laughs> he's so excited and he doesn't yeah. want to stop talking i love that guy but yeah, yeah of course of course that's um, the best. <laughs> do you think certain okay we got a question here maybe we can hit on this real quick do you mm. think certain lines of exantics and carpets could have some Annery linkage. It seems that most exanics don't hold any red either. Well, huh. you got to look at what, where you're getting your exanic stuff from. Because if you're getting your exanic stuff from Nick and his Swedish line, none of that is related to any of the red coastal stuff. So that's definitely going to look different than the yeah. stuff that I have in here from Ryan Dumas because that has red tiger in its lineage. Right. And you can see that. And I've hatched out animals that look like red tigers. 
Right. I sold a female that was like, I didn't label it as a red tiger, but the thing was red. Um, yeah. And it had exanic. So I think it just depends on what's been mixed into the lineage of your animals. I don't know. Are there different lines of exanic in, in coastal? I thought it was all no. sort of one European group and then everybody sort of did with it what they did. It's one line. I think, I think the Australian stuff definitely looks different. Um, yes. you know, they definitely have, uh, a different line of exanic, um, mm -hmm. which to me, I think sometimes their, their line might actually look better. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Maybe I think everything few, in Australia has its own like, like trajectory that is so different from the United States. So I mean, we talk about it with the Australians, how our diamonds look so different and stuff. I just think that we just, they're yeah. selectively bred in different directions because of yeah. where they've ended up. And that's yeah. the, the and major have, difference. Yeah. They have more, they have more blood over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have more variety and stuff like mm -hmm. that. They can they can play with. Lucky Our stuff just looks different. Lucky bastards. Right. <laughs> yeah. But they can't keep corn snakes, even though apparently there's a wild population of corn snakes out there somewhere. Yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, that's that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad news. Bad news bears. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig's yeah. on. Um, yeah, man. his exanics are extreme phenotypic examples of what that that does. They're amazing. So I think uh, before we delve into the uh, to the to some the other meat and potatoes, yeah, the meat, the other stuff. Um, I just wanted to. I said I would share these uh, pictures uh, real quick. Um, with uh, so these are diamond. These are from Bumblebee Tuna. Wow, line, and Jeez. they're just coastal diamonds, and that's uh, right. Yeah, I know it's sick, isn't it? And all that fish netting and stuff—they're just—they're really cool, man. And you know, I don't know. They yes. have some historic value to them too. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, Bumblebee mm -hmm. Tuna was this crazy coastal diamond cross of some sort, and wow. uh, um, you see, uh, it was bred to uh, Will Bird's um, diamond coastal intergrades that he had and uh yeah that, that's what they produced so I, I just love looks. that that color man it's like yeah that's green gorgeous. or yeah just really yeah. cool snakes you know beautiful yeah. animals nobody cares <laughs> <No>. <laughs> except me they're, they're beautiful <laughs> yeah i mean yeah so i think if i think if we, we could actually export and then somebody was like hey I found this here. Here's the GPS coordinates. Technically, it's an integrate. I think all of a sudden, if that were a thing, you would see the hobby accept those much more readily. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it's just a cool pet snake, man. I just thought uh, that's really big. Yeah, so. for sure. I feel like the U.S. keepers just, they want to they want the validation of it being something and to actually be able to prove that it's a valid thing before they actually invest yeah. in keeping it and making it a, a valuable project. And, and it, it's not a morph but it's not pure. So it's sort of in this gray area. And so everyone's kind of like, eh, I don't really want to touch it. Yeah, it, it really and, takes yeah. the, the wind out of the sails when people are just like, oh, so it's just a mutt. You know, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, but it's still pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And having hatched out these citrus tigers and looking at the heads and knowing that they're, you know, coastal Darwin crosses and just being absolutely in love with them. I'm like, dude, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> These man. things are <laughs> epic. Yeah. 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 So so but so that's uh, why you just have your designated projects you keep stuff going one way and you keep stuff going another way they don't have to blend and you can love both yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah mud lives matter 
<laughs> that, I almost awesome. spewed my coffee on that one. Yeah. Um, I think I had to separate anurin from exanic better, kind of like Mike with the ocelot jag. Uh, you know, that's the other thing too. Like, um, I think you might get better color from the uh, pop one uh, exantic stuff, um, just because of um, you know, pop ones having a different color palette, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. than um, than coastals. But you know, I don't know. With the citrus tiger stuff, I would go with the. Uh, I don't want to mix another carpet into the mix, you know? So if it turns out that, you know, coastals and jungles and all that stuff are really just the same thing, then I guess I would try to keep it like that, even though yeah. there's albino in it or whatever, and you know, all that stuff. But yeah, but yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Would, uh, <laughs> hold on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hello? So, <laughs> so I I, uh, I thought this would I, I just started listening to it. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but um, Animals at Home podcast. Yeah, had, yes. Um, I yeah. also just kind of got like first half hour or so. Yeah. So uh, so Dan, uh, he was I actually met him at Carpet Fest, and he was in love in love with my Angolan pythons. And uh, nice. <laughs> he just like he was just obsessed with them, and. Uh, he did a, he, you know, I got to give him kudos, man, because he kind of like put put stuff out there with, you know, knowing that the way that sometimes uh, the world can be where they kind of shoot back at you with uh, negativity and all that kind of stuff. But um, he uh, talked about uh, Burmese python that he had that basically had a heart attack and um, obesity in big snakes was uh, was 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 kind of the topic because he had this Burmese python that was. Uh, uh, basically he thought it was overweight right when he compared it to like say other uh big big snake keepers or if you uh, if you will and then um you know not really thinking that it was as much as overweight as it was and then it just died so he did a necropsy on it and like couldn't believe the uh the fat that was in that that snake and you know, I think of uh, Matt Somerville's post a while back where oh, yeah. he had that snake that ate like three mice and still had all these fat bodies on it. And like, you know, I know, you know, it just got me thinking and like, I, you know, I don't know what you guys think. Like, how much do we really know about snakes eating? And I think like, do do we have to like look at it species by species? Do we have to like maybe go back and revisit our thoughts? Because it just seems like, I don't know what it is about snake keepers, but they just seem to like, as soon as they have this thing that works, they cookie cutter it and they just seem to put it into everything that they do because right. they kind of can do that. But like, uh, you know, are we cutting the life of yeah. these animals short? And, you know, I, I don't know. The man. answer just, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> so many thoughts were going through my head, you know, yeah. just like, I, I don't know, man, just like so many, so many things. Like, and then I think about like, I think about like every time I see a carpet python in the wild eating, it's this huge meal. So is it like, is it more beneficial for them to eat this huge meal and digest it over time and um, not really feeding them on a weekly schedule? I mean, I know, I think the three of us are basically doing cycle feeding, but yep. it, it seems like even that might not be right. I don't know. What yeah. do you guys think? Mm -hmm. I, um, I personally think, some species are more tolerant of overfeeding than others, like berms and retics. But like even in carpets, I think like I've got two jungles that are one is every bit of eight feet. 
no shit. She's eight feet long. And uh, she's had bad clutches. Uh-huh. But she still breeds. My other girl, she's probably more like seven feet, and she's had great clutches. So I think jungles, to an extent, are probably more tolerant of it. But then one cage up, my albino Darwin, she's nowhere near as big as them, but she's big for a Darwin. Uh-huh. She won't like I. She's the laziest animal I've got, and I think it's because I overfed her right. in the first three years, and now she's on a much more spread out seasonal regiment. But because they're in captivity they don't exercise as a wild carpet does it's hard to get the weight off of her and keep her lean so she's not going to get a meal for the next two months right um but it's i don't think that's going to solve her problem right away i think it's going to take years of conditioning her back down and um Mm -hmm. so i think we do have to look at it species specifically especially when we're talking about animals in captivity that are switched over to rodents but maybe in the wild eat things more like birds and frogs so instantly we're yep battling uh, an excessive caloric intake just by trying to feed them what's convenient for us. So I think I, you know, and then I see photos of Nick posting an albino Darwin on a clutch of eggs and it's like this big Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, yeah, I've definitely overfed that animal. He's having success. I'm doing everything that I think is right. And I'm not having success. It's hard for me to not feel like I've overfed that animal and that's my problem. And so moving forward, yeah, seasonal feeding, spreading it out more, no schedule really like just two times of the year is when they get fed a little more consistently and then the rest is kind of willy-nilly if at all yeah and so i completely agree it does have to be species specific and you know like you said they're not eating a normal diet that does play a role they're also just sitting in a box you know like the radio tracking study that i keep looking at for woma python stuff like they moved an average of a third of a mile between point A and prey capture. Like these things are booking it out there. You know, they probably log dozens of miles a year. That, that makes a difference in terms of, even if it's not visible obesity, metabolic health, right? Like fatty deposits in the organs, you know, it, it matters. Um, So even if in the wild you see bigger animals, I guarantee you they're healthier on the inside. And they're yeah. big because they're old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's and, the thing that people yeah. miss. You know, I think right. length um, isn't the problem necessarily. I think that length becomes a problem in captivity because you also have sedentary and you have unnaturally fatty prey. It's you know, it's sitting on the couch eating ice cream sundays for six years. Right. Um, I was going to say that too. You know, like uh, you know, just depending on where you get your feeders from, you know, could make a huge difference in um, the quality of food that they're eating. I mean, you know, Lucas is being an Aspidites guy. This must, you know, to me, this was always a huge concern because, you know, I would say probably more with blackheads Mm -hmm. than with Womas, but like, you know, yeah, blackheads seem to get pumped up more, you know, like, yeah. You don't see blackheads in the wild like you see them in some of these U.S. collections, and they die. They just die. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny. Uh, Johnny had said that he switched everything to birds, and he he surprisingly found the huge jump in their weights. Um, I don't know, and that's you know, you got to think about that too. You know, well, like maybe that's healthier. Growth, yeah, you know, with yeah. healthier oils and healthier proteins. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, like when I was getting into carpets, uh, people told you to shy away from birds mm -hmm. because, you know, runny stools and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, but like, I don't know if you're going to have a snake that can live 30 years for, you yeah. know, 20, 30 I mean, years. I, I, I always say it. I feed my blackheads quails and mice and I don't have problems with the stool with the quail, you know, right. Like I, they don't they don't have the spraying problem. I think they're more <laughs> more designed to eat that kind of thing anyway. Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah, a I, pair of doomerals that only eat quail and they have solid stool mm -hmm. and they're growing just fine. Yeah. I wonder sure. I think Riley, you said this earlier, and I wonder if this has anything to do with it. And again and again, this goes back to like my thinking of why I don't overfeed babies and I try to slow grow them as, as slow as I possibly can, is like I think like we still have this and again you know this this can be debated back and forth right because I, I i've talked to justin about this multiple times and i'll probably talk to him in a week when we're down in texas but my thought is it's like if you're if you're hitting that baby you know to juvenile carpet or python consistently feeding it a weekly meal um are you doing damage to it you know you know what i mean are are they able to get a Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's been studies of baby carpets in the wild right. there sort, hasn't of, been. sort of no, you know, they're too elusive, but right. I will tell you what really opened my eyes was seeing your animals as yearlings compared to mine. And I felt really bad at how fast <laughs> I had pumped my yearling animals up. Right. And then when I flew out there for carpet fest in 2019 and got to see your babies and really, visualize the difference see them in hands quantify your then your your sub adults your juveniles and your adults and see how much more fit and appropriately sized they were and kind of put the the visual demonstration for lack of a better word in front of me made it click and now every animal in here gets the winner off of food summer i don't really feed that much because it's hot and i want them to sort of experience a, a difficult time getting prey because they're hiding out even more mm -hmm. because of yeah. the extreme heat and i yeah. you know i want them to experience bust and boom and feast and famine and i think it's healthier for them overall and um i think it makes for a fitter fitter carpet and if breeding is is your is your intention you've you've made an animal that is robust and and healthy and able to deal with an unpredictable amount of resources and, and survive. And I think that's what they're programmed to do. And so if you kind of institute a little bit of that, you get a better, healthier, long lived animal. I yeah. think, I think too, like the, I think this is one of those things, like, you know, when we talk about temperature and humidity and stuff, and it really kind of depends on where you're at. Right. And you sort of have to, you know, figure out how to sort of get those, you know how you know those things you want to hit um with what you're working with where you're at right you know um so like is it a matter of like if you if you're keeping a snake in a tub or if you're not really giving it options to say to climb or you know you're keeping it in a smaller cage um is it going to affect 
you know, if they're not getting that exercise, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if they're not getting that exercise, then maybe you have to readjust how you're feeding, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, somebody that's keeping say in a more naturalistic, even if we were talking big snakes, like you think about big snakes, right. And I think Dan sort of hit on this on the show. He was talking about how like the standard big snake cage is eight foot. Right. Meanwhile, these things yeah. are like 18 feet, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. are they really getting the exercise that they need? Like, I mean, you see African rocks taking down gazelles in the wild and you're kind of like, oh, OK, well, it's eating this huge meal or whatever. And but then it doesn't eat for a year. Right. It traversed miles just in that right. day. Right. Yeah. So when it's not doing that in captivity, maybe you have to sort of find the, the, the balance of, mm -hmm. of that, you know? And I think that's maybe where we're missing the mark, if you will. Well, when I was in Santa Barbara uh, and I left the zoo there like three and a half years ago, not even the Burmese Python that I cared for lived in an enclosure bigger than my snake room, walk in, huge pool rock walls everywhere he would climb all the way up to the ceiling we put trees in there all this stuff dude was activist can be um you know we only fed him a, a jumbo rat every couple of weeks and when i left he was 21 years old he's still there he's so now he's 24 years old and he's a, an 11 foot burmese python and he's lean uh he's healthy and he's active and that's how they should be and he's He's, dude, he's about to be 25 years old. Right. How many people do you know have a berm for 25 years? None. Not many. None. It's just yeah. like, it's exactly what Dan's, you know, whole show I'm sure was talking about was yeah. exactly what we're talking about right here. Is right. How we misperceived snake digestion and how they use the, the resources. And we already know they're super efficient animals, right? Yeah. Just biologically, they're a very streamlined, efficient well-designed animal and they're efficient with their fat stores and they're efficient with their resources and they're they're only moving when they have to and they're only exposing themselves when they have to and otherwise they're going to be sedentary if they've got the safety and the resources so in the wild they don't have that so they're active so yeah i think you just got to think about things this so you know, Ryan saying that, you know, giant snakes don't have to be giant and you know, he has mm -hmm. a, a Sula that is uh 3 and um is six and a half feet and lean as hell. But like, I think the thing is like, you don't even like, you can't really see the inside of the snake. And right. like, I've seen many people that think that their snake is lean and they think they're doing the right thing. And then when they, yeah. you know, they do a necropsy and then it's like, no, yeah. <laughs> you're wrong. So like, yeah. I don't know, man, it's, it, yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, again, like you don't want to compare to people too much because the physiology is completely different. But in yeah. that case you can, make an you know an analogy to people there's skinny people that are metabolically fat you mm -hmm. know like that it you can't judge it just from what you look like on the outside whether your internal organs and you know blood chemistry and whatnot is, <laughs> right. is healthy you know like mm -hmm. it doesn't tell the whole story yeah um yeah i don't know it just it just keeps me going back to the whole thing of like i don't know if we understand snakes as much as we think we do or we're just keep you know i love the fact that you know these things are coming to light because it's just it's pushing that envelope more and more to 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 keep them better in captivity you know uh you know in the long term um oh okay yeah scott's saying basically with an ultrasound you can see if those fat bodies are there okay nice. well nice nice 
Where's Owen when you need yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> you know, but uh, we talk about that machine is hard in a while. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, maybe here's another point, right? You know, Scott keeps a lot of his animals outside, and maybe that changes things, and maybe, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, man. I'm just spitballing, but I just, I don't know. It just, it fascinates me of, like, you know, how much we don't know still, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to figure it out. But, uh, sure. yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, definitely kind of makes you just think about that. And uh, I don't know, that's kind of why I do the feeding that I do. And hopefully, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, but makes me nervous with things like aspidites, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. And makes and me I nervous think... with my apodora in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And, and with that in mind that, you know, we don't have a complete, understanding i I think that it's just fair to say that less is safer Um, yeah you know like in light of not having all the information at least you can kind of rest assured that you're not gonna you know you're not doing damage by reducing your feeding whereas you're definitely doing damage by increasing or power feeding you know so at least there's that (laughs) yeah yeah our water monitors that. prefer chicken over the rats. And to me, that just kind of substantiates like, you know, things that eat rats will eat them, but like maybe it's not the best thing for them. Or may, if they had an option, they would probably choose something else. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I was yeah. About that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's the false water cobras, which, <laughs> which eat yeah. freaking everything. You might as well just consider them a completely different thing because they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, even colubrids in general, right? I mean, like, I, I hear you and Owen always talking about, you know, whether you guys talking with about false water cobras and crebos and all these things that just eat, <laughs> you know, it's just like, nonstop. Right. Yeah, they're garbage disposals. Like they will literally take four or five food items in a sitting, crap it out three days later, and look at you for more. Exactly. And then when somebody like Zach Loafman, who knows more about snake digestion than I'll ever comprehend, tells me to feed something every four days, like it's different. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And the show we did with him about snake digestion was, I I freaking love that show. I need to listen to it again. I'm ready to try and get more. Yeah, because I'm sure there's shit I missed in there. And I just, you know, uh, especially when not, you know, I'm not listening to it. I'm trying to do the show. Um, um, I'm going to ask Scott if he feeds me. So I was asking Scott, yeah. right? So Scott Iper in um, Australia, I asked him what, he, you know, how often he feeds his imbricata. And he's saying eight to 12 times a year over eight months of the year. Yeah. Um, diamonds are 12 to 16 per year over eight months. So my question was, is why? he feeding babies the same? Mm-hmm. And Scott, I'm curious why diamonds more so. What, what's the rationale behind that? Um, but that's awesome. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. It's kind of what you when, when you really start to look at it, eight to 12 times a year and then taking a break for winter. I mean, that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about, you know, like right now I'm feeding, uh, feeding diamonds like that. Um, yeah. But the crazy thing is, is that they all do, especially the smaller ones, do like the uh, the chondro perch thing and, you know, twice that feeding. Okay, so he basically, with juveniles, he's doing double the feeding um, to those two. 
So I would imagine that diamonds, maybe he's approaching the diamonds and like if coastals and jungles and all that East Coast stuff, maybe the same. Um, but uh, Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I wonder if that has to do with that very melanistic. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basking in the sun and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Gets it out quicker. <laughs> yeah. Hold tight. I'll be right back. You guys take over yeah. for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Diamonds. That's literally, literally the only carpet that we have in the States that I have like no real experience with. Like I've obviously seen Eric's and handled other people's and seen it, but like never actually like, you know, I haven't seen one yet. Like they're freaking amazing, dude. They're different though. Like you, the first thing you notice when you look at a diamond is their, to me anyway, their head structure is different from other carpets. It just looks a little bit different. The proportions Mm -hmm. and angles and the way it's built, but they're, they're amazing, man. I would absolutely love to work with them. And obviously they'd slide right in with my brittle stuff in terms of the cool down and mm-hmm. whatnot. But yeah, I, I don't think I'll be able to do it until I get more cages. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I got too many um, things coming up right now for blackheads and Wilma's. <laughs> yeah. Scott says they both uh, bask similar amounts as far as the... Uh, the diamonds and imbricata so just different just different rate. biology yeah. yeah yeah it's a different different snake different animal i mean makes and sense that's a great example of something that you you gather from observation you know mm-hmm. in terms of how fast food is processed you know you really just have to be tuned in and observe that <laughs> yeah exactly watching your animals yeah that's very cool yeah so it's interesting to see how how the shift in and understanding changes and then how the hobby responds. And Mm -hmm. I think without having somebody uh, come on and talk about it from like a very academic side to really flesh it out, even if we don't understand it, but just to understand that it has been studied and there is legitimacy in all of this, I think Mm -hmm. gets people's attention and then it'll start changing things and yeah. I mean, pray variety and it should, you know, I'd like to give, even the most commercial breeder, you know, the benefit of the doubt that they want their animals to be healthy and live long lives. So in my mind, it makes more sense to take the extra year or two to raise something up slowly Mm -hmm. and perhaps extend its life five or 10 years. Like from a business perspective, if you're a business focused person with your animals, the healthier route still helps you more, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're instead of that thing, being unhealthy and maybe you got it to breed earlier, but it'll probably die a lot more prematurely than if you raised it properly. You know, you're still extending the, the uh, reproductive window there. If, if you're a little bit more sparing. So I don't know. I I just don't think there's any good rationale for power feeding overfeeding. I Uh, think, I think the, the, the hobby trend for power feeding has kind of died down a lot. I think it still exists in ball pythons. I think, um, people still like to flex in the ball Python community that they can get females to breed at 18 months. Uh, I see that a lot and it's yeah. kind of disgusting and um, you know, they can stay over in their corner, but um, I think it's kind of, I think the taboo on that has kind of permeated around where everybody knows like, okay, slamming your animal to obesity just to get it to breed fast is definitely a money driven thing yeah. and not really uh, publicly appreciated, even though it exists. So I think that's kind of decreased. I don't think it'll ever go away. Um, right. 
and that's that's what I mean. I mean, obviously yeah. we all know it's a problem, but it's still done. Right. You know, people will have like these little things and then they'll look at their watch and be like, oh crap, this thing's like three years old in a couple months. Better add fifteen hundred grams to it real quick, you know. <laughs> it's like Yeah. It's interesting the the motivations behind some of that. I mean Certain animals just won't let you overfeed them, but a lot of them will. And, uh, yeah, it's just sad to see that happen because, you know, they die young. And that's, you know, listening to Garrett Hartle's, you know, rationale for really pushing the super dwarfs and why he got out of doing a lot of mainland stuff and, you know, how he doesn't see any of the, the thousands of mainland retic offspring he produced alive anymore, um, you know, where they all go. That's yeah. a very That's a very real thing. So certainly, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually really curious to see how, so that eight foot jungle that I mentioned that I have, um, she's a big girl. She was produced by Nick Mutton in 2011, sold to my buddy, Travis, who had her for years. And she's just a big girl. And she's had two, um, pretty much train wreck clutches with him. Um, and, he didn't like overfeed her or anything, but she's a big girl. And I'm curious what the results will be trying to breed her this time around, because um, the male that sired both of those train wreck clutches with him or with her was, you know, appropriately sized, but ended up um, having like after the second clutch is spontaneously like kinked after the cloaca for no reason whatsoever. It seemed mm. um, was sold off as a pet and was you know, he was kind of writing this off as like a project that just, you know, she's not going to throw viable babies. So I bought her and, uh, and I'm kind of keeping her on the leaner side again, not because she was obese, but I'm curious if at her size, keeping her leaner, feeding her more sparingly and trying a different male, if, if that will yield different results. And if it doesn't, then, you know, the question is, does she have some obesity related problems to her reproduction or is there a, a genetic propensity within her to produce kinked animals and it has nothing to do with mm -hmm. weight? So right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably not one that can be known, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I imagine if, you know, if she passed away and I did a necropsy on her, I'd still find a fair amount of fat stores in her, but she's lean, you know, for, for an eight foot snake. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But is that due to lack of proper husbandry and poor fitness contributing to a shitty longevity? Yeah, it could be. It could be. There's, there's the, uh, the other end of the spectrum in, uh, in not, not feeding enough and not giving your animals the space and like stunting it. Um, that's a problem too, but yeah. also pervasive, poor husbandry, just killing animals, not necessarily because of, uh, feeding issues. So we'll never really know. Um, but yeah, you don't really see a lot of people with too many mainland retics that are old. <laughs> yeah. Very but, true. <laughs> but even with carpets, you see, I mean, over the years, we've definitely seen people share, you know, animals pass away that were younger. I had a, a female caramel that um, at four years old, she just one day was dead in the cage. And, you know, was that because I, I got her to a substantial size at a too fast of a rate? I don't know. Right. I don't know. So anyway, feeding is, is still, we're still learning about 
what we need to do, but I think every species is different. And then individuals based on how they're kept and the scenarios they live in needs to be taken into consideration for sure. Yeah. So, and then Eric, should we get into the, uh, the locality of the week? He's back. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, my allergies are just so bad today. Holy crap. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I didn't That's want to... miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this, uh, you know, uh, as everybody knows, I'm sort of this, uh, uh, I just, just any wild carpet Python picture I can find. I sort of just like, you know, see what I can find out about it and, uh, just stockpile it. And this is, um, a picture from Cam De Jong. I don't even know who that was. I saw it on Facebook. Uh, it was one of those um, uh, Herp in the Globe uh, pictures, if you will, which mm -hmm. is an awesome Facebook uh, group, if you will, because we have another picture, too, that uh, I'll share of a Kimberly Rock monitor, which is just freaking amazing. But um, so this one is uh, it's a Townsville carpet. Um, so that is, uh, I guess what you would consider a McDally, right? Uh, or make, would it be, would it be McDally or McDally? I'm not sure. Well, um, so you've got, uh, it's south of where Tully is. It's all on, along the yeah. coastline, but it's, so it's here. So does that, is that, are, is there a, a geographical divide that keeps them separate or is that in that intergrade zone? I don't know. That's a good question for Scott. Uh, Seems like he knows who that individual is. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But that's a stunning animal. Yeah, man. I wonder how old that animal is. What would you say? Two years? A year? No. Based I guess on two years, right? Based on the head. I mean, that's got a mature head on it. Not an adult head, but a more mature head than I would expect on a yearling. What an awesome carpet python, man. Yeah, that thing's killer. Look at the colors on that thing. <laughs> oh, just look how look how naturally it blends in with the surrounding environment and the leaf litter and the terrain that it's sitting there in that photograph. Like that's the one thing like just blew my mind with uh, carpet pythons in in general, and I think that's why you see such variability. I, I, it would be my thought, you know, is just that like depending on where they're from. I, you know, when we were out with Scott, and you know, he was showing us that coastal carpet and uh, the um down where in brisbane um you know it went into the tree and it just disappeared it's like what <laughs> you know in the picture it's just like perfect camouflage you know so yeah. um which is probably why young carpets uh to scott's point earlier are, are hard to find but this is um you know this is tully where we were and um we actually uh you know uh, we're in this area where mission beach and all that and supposedly real nice jungles are from there it's kind of a known jungle spot if you will um but then townsville is all the way down here um i don't know i don't know i tried to look to see like you know uh where there are any back i don't see any barriers to where mm -hmm. would stop scott them, but... says jungles intergrade from paluma north so where is paluma relative to townsville um it's a good question because it's not on here <laughs> <laughs> to the maps yes let's see let's go uh paluma paluma google earth field trip yeah, yeah. 
Queensland. Queensland. All right. Let's zoom out a little Maps. bit. Oh, there's a, a Paluma Range National Park. I bet you they have a whole locality of carpets there. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's right near Townsville. Yeah. So let me, I guess I yeah. can share that screen, show people the Google Earth. Uh, let's see, window, no, Chrome tab. Yeah, there we go. So there we go. So that's right. T T Townsville, and that's Paluma. So Paluma So it's North. literally right on that same lateral line. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So the hobby would not know what to call that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Until but, this next book comes out, of course. Yeah. And there's Tully. Um, yeah. And I wonder how far that is from... Uh, Wow, that's way down. Where's Brisbane? That's a sunshine. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hmm. You got a pretty serious. Yeah, that's a serious distance yeah. to the intergrade zone. Very cool. I'm always curious. I was in Townsville last week. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> Don't worry, Scott. I'll be seeing rattlesnakes next week. Ah. <laughs> Uh, um, so, uh, I, um, I don't know. I'd be curious to know if there's a spot where, um, you know, the Southern idea of coastal carpets sort of kicks in. Like, is, is it anything below that range? We're going to have to have Scott come on for carpets and yeah. coffee at some point, That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, you know, my schedule at work is changing as yes. we speak. So starting this week, I'll have Thursdays and Friday off. So we're going to have oh. to brainstorm. I guess we'll be drinking them. coffee at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least for me. Carpets and cocktails. <laughs> yeah. You could always just drink out of a coffee mug, but have water in it. I think that's what a lot of TV uh, hosts do. They just lie to people. Yeah. True. Very true. But anyway, we can figure that out later. But, um, yeah, it would be uh, it's interesting to see just the variety as you go along. You just see how they match the environment. And it's such an interesting human construct that we need to quantify and categorize things, but they have to be distinct. There can never be like a gray area with it. It just it leaves it too uncertain and ambiguous. Yeah. The human brain doesn't like that. No, it does not. But that yeah. is the way of nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we try to put things in our boxes and, you know. Um, but, yeah, so that's the uh, the locality. I, I thought that was uh, beautiful. It's a beautiful, uh, it was beautiful an, animal. It was an awesome animal and uh, worth sharing, you know. So yeah. for, the listeners, for the listeners who are catching this later, it, it basically looks like a coastal with more tipping amidst all of the kind of crazy pattern reminiscent of some high tipping jungles, but has more of the yellow and black palette of, of coastal, almost like a creamy tan. And it was the photo of the animal sitting on some like, look like bark and mulch and eucalyptus leaves and things. And it just blended perfectly into the, the, the burnt sort of dry Brown underbrush. And so if you can imagine, uh, now imagine that that's kind of what this animal looks like, but it kind of has, features of 
things that remind me of like Tully jungles, but also of Brisbane coastals. And it's just a beautiful snake. Right. So that's what we were looking at. If you're listening to just the audio version of this. Which, um, why aren't you catching it live if you're listening <laughs> to the audio? Come on. That's right. Damn Subscribe it. to the NPR Network YouTube channel. Um, yeah. And then um, one more picture from uh, Herp in the Globe, which kind of, you know, uh, touches the other side of my brain. One of my favorite species of monitor. Um, oh, okay. Oh, Scott shared some, uh, some pictures with me. I wasn't sure. Uh, so... He's got some readings and stuff because he was in Townsville last week. Uh, so let's see what we got here. He's got some UV readings and such. Such. Oh yeah, I think I caught that in the chat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, Very cool stuff. Let's see. Is that Facebook? Yeah, Facebook. No, that's not what I want. Uh, share a screen window. Maybe window. There we go. Messenger. So, uh, yeah. Oh, some. Oh, I'm so jealous. I would love to be there right Beautiful now. Beautiful yeah. little eucalyptus lined river. <laughs> yes. There's Townsville. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Perfect carpet python habitat. Mm. So lush. Trees. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I want to go. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there, fellas. 2022, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Ooh. Talk about camouflage. Jesus yeah, Christ. Holy shit. <laughs> That's badass. Aren't they the coolest? I freaking love those geckos. That's badass. cool, man. Badass. That's so neat. I love watching uh, Luke's uh, videos when he's redoing his enclosures and doing all the lichen and the painting and the tile pointing. And, and all of a sudden, he puts the animals in. It's like, gone. You're like, <laughs> That's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> I know. So, uh, cool. so uh, Daniel Bromley, uh, he has a shot of um, a, uh, a Kimberly Rock monitor. Uh, oh, yeah. And it was uh, in Western Australia. And um, those are those are cool, man. Those are long, slender. Their tails on those things. Dude, are, they're so long. They're beautiful, they're too. Cool. I, I really love the patterning. Yeah, you see where the uh, definitely where the Aboriginal art comes from. With uh, look at that, <laughs> I mean, could look you get that. a better shot, man? Holy like, crap! What the hell? Just picture perfect. You've got the river right there, the animals in the in the foreground. You got background elements where it just disappears around a bend. You've got lush greenery on the left. You got rolling hills on the right. Red rocks that the animals sitting on. Quintessential Australia, sort of imagery and then there's this dinosaur sitting on it this yeah. little dinosaur i need to just deck out my apartment with good prints like yeah this and then the ross mcgibbon pictures like I need oh to just, yeah i, need oh, to I get bought you. a bunch of those yeah um, yeah and i'm gonna get them printed out digitally because man they're yeah. so nice yeah, if you if you have really high quality resolution photos saved to your computer, go to Black River Imaging, and you can get them printed on like uh, the aluminum gloss, like shadow mounted um, prints. Like I I did a bunch of those a couple of years ago uh, for some nice. of my photos, and they sort of hover off the wall. They're really cool. It's pretty affordable. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. a that's a freaking beautiful lizard, man. Yeah. So so bird like, you know. I mean, yeah. the flat head, very narrow. Yeah. Apparently, I think from what I've 
at least for talking to Rob, they're, you know, I guess Aki's is sort of the introduction to Australian monitors, uh, a little more forgiving, if you will, you know, whereas, um, you know, those Kimberleys can be uh, a little bit trickier. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you listen to, uh, if you listen to Kai and Alan on the monitor keeping podcast, they talk about Kim's a lot and, um, they'll tell you all sorts of horror stories about, you know, ruining eggs or having trouble with babies or being sensitive about like there, you got to dial them in. They're not just a keep them hot, keep them fed and they do the rest sort of thing. They're not like other monitors. They're definitely different. They like to be in little crevices. They're fast. They climb They, Yeah. They're just a different mm-hmm. animal. Yeah. But it's so cool. I mean, they're not a Perendi, but Mm-mm. you know, <laughs> 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 but damn it, they're pretty close. Those and yeah. um, I like uh, Pilbarensis too. You know, I like. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, beautiful, beautiful monitors. Beautiful. Monitors. Someday, someday you'll keep them, or someday you'll get there to I'll, see them. I'll have or to both. get into the legged <laughs> creatures. Someday, yeah, both exactly. <laughs> yeah, both definitely, definitely yeah. both. I, uh, I I definitely have a new pre. You know, I. I definitely have a new appreciation for monitors and uh, I know the next time I go back to Australia, probably, I guess in 2022, maybe if, if the, if everything works out um, right. to, uh, to appreciate when, you know, seeing them in the wild. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But God damn, they're cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 I think uh, Brett's in the chat. I think he, he had, just got a clutch of them, didn't he? Or or no? I could. Be well, wrong. he just said I've mastered ruining eggs. So oh, <laughs> he's got eggs, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess they could be tricky. Uh, but you know, lots of cool like uh, little monitors uh, from Australia for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, the sand love... monitors are pretty too. Mm-hmm. That Alan works with those mm-hmm. are gorgeous. Those things are yeah. amazing in person. The babies are really colorful. Um, the adults just cover themselves in dirt, so he'll take them outside and hose them off, and it's like, boom, color wow. on those things. Yeah, they love sand, man. They dig holes. They're <laughs> filthy freaking things. They're little sand torpedoes. They're I amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, huh. those things are really colorful, even though you would expect them to just be kind of like sandy monotone. You clean right. them up, and you look at them, and there's like subtle blues and reds and yellows in there, and you're like, holy shit, this thing's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of cool stuff, man. So much cool shit in Australia, but you know, uh, I digress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll be uh, I'll be I'll be focusing on uh, some some Texas reptiles next week. So that's gonna uh, be cool. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah. I hope What's your see... weather looking like? Have you well, checked? I don't know. They sent me a picture of uh, you know hail the size of like baseballs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll melt and bring out the snakes. I don't know. Uh, oh so. boy! <laughs> uh, I hope to find some rattlesnakes. You know, I I think my goal for um, the uh, oh okay, I didn't know that. So Scott is saying that Kimberleys are, or is it Kimberleys a, or sand monitors? He's talking about. Oh, I don't know. Which sand monitors. There's definitely two types. There's okay. Flav- there's Flavia Rufus and there's Gouldy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so I know there's two of those. That's probably what he was talking about. Uh, yeah. Rat snakes 
And yeah, I know you were saying earlier, I, I saw you must have been listening to the show with my whole take on yeah, rat snakes being the carpet pythons of the US. I was I rewatched it. Uh, yeah, 100%, man. I, I really honestly believe that. But uh, those and rattlesnakes, I'd like to uh, to get uh, as mm -hmm. much, uh, you know, be able to see as much as I can in uh, in the wild across the U.S. Yeah. So black-tailed yeah. rattlesnakes, mm -hmm. that'd be cool. Yeah, those are freaking gorgeous. I need to get out and do more herping with aims for finding wild crotalus because I've worked with plenty, but I've only seen a couple in the wild. Right. Yeah, I, uh, I I brought this up too on the on the show before, but uh, Riley, I know you you've worked with crocodilians, mm -hmm. um, but this book, man, Crocodiles of the World, is pretty freaking cool, man. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, that looks amazing. Crocs are, yeah, that's another whole nother thing. Man. That's a whole nother <laughs> well, thing. So rabbit holes you could go down. You know. Dude, Crocs yeah, are... nature, nature, man. Yeah. Dude, I loved working with alligators and Chinese alligators and mm. dwarf came in and smooth fronted came in. And I am so glad to have all of my fingers, but damn, did it come close a couple times and, and then going to Florida and getting to learn from the actual Florida guys, you know, it's a couple times and going out to St. Augustine years ago and there's something different. Those things are, that's a, that's a, that's another animal, dude. That's serious. That's a, that's an animal that has existed well past its time that humans can't ruin. And yeah. It's a, it's a dominant force of earth that will never go away. Survivalists, man. They're perfect. Literally perfect. They can survive having their top jaws ripped off. They can survive missing limbs, missing bits of their tip. They are brutal. They fight off infection in some of the nastiest swamps and, and just unbelievably They can survive whatever dominant. the hell <laughs> wiped out the dinosaurs. So. <laughs> Dude, and even the little ones are no slouch. The dwarf crocs, the African dwarf crocs are no slouch. Chinese alligators, no slouch. Yeah. The, the little dwarf caimans are savages. They're little psychos um, i loved ron's story about that like long snout croc or something like that i forget yeah. what it's called yeah that when was it really got funny it. yeah and it got out and, yeah, that was and then they was in the news like uh, a little while later he's like that's mine <laughs> yeah that tomistima dude tomistimas are wild those are cool but they get huge i've i've held a, a young one at saint augustine and seen them work those animals and i think that's another species that like is best being kept and worked with by folks who are going to specialize whether in a zoo or private because yeah. it's just they're too different they're amazing and uh i will never regret my time working with crocodilians and, and gators and i hope i'm not done with working them but it is mm -hmm. difficult in the private sector so, okay. yeah you, yeah for sure you at need least land. in california anyway <laughs> and not california yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah, uh man nature really got that one right yeah, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, what it's like to work with, with them. I, I can, you know, I would imagine that. Uh, do, do you see? Is it like? Is it like? You know how like you know some people keep snakes and then they move the monitors and they're just say like, okay, that's another level. And like, mm -hmm. I guess what you're saying is basically they're just a thing to their own. You know, like yeah, they're just different. They they think differently. Um, to me, it's a little more cut and dry behaviorally. 
Uh Um, but it's more instinct driven. And then they're also highly, highly intelligent. So I also think they're very cognizant of everything around them and adapting and, and sponging all of that. That's why you have such a problem in Florida with alligators becoming nuisance alligators off of just one person feeding them one time. That's all it yeah. takes. Yep. Um, they're that smart. They are built for survival. They can handle literally anything. And it's just a different level of intelligence because you can develop trust and understanding with some, but then at the same time, it's kind of random and somewhat unpredictable like iguanas, as far as like which people they sort of have a better time with some, I don't know how to explain it. It's they just, they can have more personality and preference and selection, but you have no room for error with them. No room for error. And and not that like you should be taking liberties with things that are less dangerous because monitors can still put you in the hospital or, or kill you. Um, Same with venomous. It's, it's, I think it's on the same level as venomous. It can be done very, very safely if, if you practice safety protocols, but just right. being in the presence of something like that is pretty nuts. When you feel a crocodile bellow, you feel it in the ground coming up through your feet and you're just like, Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. I am so vulnerable and weak and fleshy and easily killed. This yeah. thing is nuts. Yeah. And it's just a whole nother level of respect. It's crazy. More people pe- need those experiences in my opinion. It's profound. It's very <laughs> profound. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I, I, you know, we went on, uh, we went on a, when we were in, uh, in Cairns, we went on a, like a boat ride that, uh, basically takes you, uh, to look at, uh, the, uh, saltwater crocs. And I, if I'm being honest, I, I couldn't, I, it was weird because I thought that they would be a lot bigger than, um, than what they were. Right. And, I guess we were looking at females and not males. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we saw the male at the front of the boat and, uh, woo. Dude. <laughs> it was, was kind of like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> gnarly. Yeah, man. Um, like, if you ever get to go to St. Augustine alligator farm, their, their salty exhibit, they've got a pair. Sydney yes. is the female and Maximo is the male. Sydney when it, it's it's really nice if you can go down because they have an underwater viewing area where they actually yeah. at least they used to have yeah. uh, a couple couple breadley down in there because um, nice. they had like a whole little australia thing so they had some displays with like aboriginal work that's and, more and my breadley. speed <laughs> so you go down there you look at the breadley and you turn around and you're at the underwater viewing area of these salties and when sydney's down there you're like dude that's a big croc she's like 11 feet or 10 feet or something you're right. like holy shit and then maximo swims down and you're like oh my god yeah he's like 16 plus feet his head is bigger than your torso like yeah yeah man yeah dude, dude he jumps and they used for to be a lot bigger than that sarcosuchus <laughs> yeah so they also have a wonderful building with some replica um skeletons of a lot of those primitive like 20 plus 30 plus footers yeah. uh and they've also got um sort of like a memorial display for this other previous saltwater croc that they had before Maxima that was even bigger. Yeah, um, that thing is huge. I can't remember his name right now. I'm drawing a blank, which feels offensive because it was amazing. And some of the folks that worked there currently were the ones who brought him in and worked with him and all that stuff, but he was damn near 20 feet. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're, 
they're like nothing else. Yeah, yeah man. Unbelievable. Yeah, agreed. Like, yeah. Every time I see them in person, you know, at, at zoos and whatnot, I, I'm just reminded how much I freaking love crocodilians. Yeah, man. <laughs> they're insane. You know, yeah, I went they to don't get the respect they deserve either. I went they're, to they're uh, smart as hell. What's the alligator place in Australia? Why can't I think of it? Uh, Crocosaurus? Is it? No. Uh, the that's the part? one. No, no, no. It's the. Uh, it's just focused really on alligators. Uh, they Australia? do have other croc. No, no, no. In in Florida. Oh, um, uh, this, Florida. Uh, the Saint, not Saint Augustine, but the Everglades. The other one. Everglades Alligator Farm. No, there's, there's. Oh, fuck! I can't believe I can't remember it. It's got the big alligator head when you're walking into it. Oh um, my God. Is it something simple like Gatorland? Everglades Gatorland. Park? Yes, Gator- oh, Gatorland. Got it. <laughs> it was so easy. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Anyway, I, I thought that place was cool, but when yeah. I went to St. Augustine or Augustine, it was like, holy shit, that place is another level, man. That yeah. place, uh, if you are ever in Florida and you like reptiles at all, you need to go there. Uh, it is an amazing place. Mm-hmm. An amazing place. Their, their keeping staff is top-notch. Um, Cody used to work there. When I was mm-hmm. there, Cody was still there, and I I had just missed him because he was going to, you know, I would have been able to get behind-the-scenes type of deal. Oh, and nice. uh, <laughs> now he's not there anymore, but uh, he's working on his own spot, so I'm sure he'll have plenty of crocodilians. Oh yeah, they're they're doing a bunch of croc stuff there. They're digging pits and building enclosures all the time. I'm I'm actually one of the top tier Patreon members for the Reptile Preservation Institute, so I get to see all these private videos before they put out. Oh, okay. uh, on their YouTube channel, and yeah, they're doing a lot of good stuff there. So yeah, awesome, um, nice. Yeah, they. They have every species of crocodilian in the world as it's currently classified, and then right. some. Um, they breed alligators for other facilities, but not not a ton. They, I don't think they focus on that so much anymore. I think they more focus on breeding the endangered species nowadays. But right. they do a lot of education. They train. They do host croc school every year for uh, AZA, and, and like twenty to twenty or so keepers get to do that every year from around the country or around the world, even too. And then they train like their firefighters and law enforcement out there. And, um, but it's amazing, man. They, they are the first place to hatch out, um, uh, Indian gharial outside of their native range anywhere in the world. And, uh, I got to see that clutch of eggs pulled while I was there where wow. the baby hatched from. It was, that's awesome. It was amazing. The, just what the, the work they're doing there is, is, you know, hands down the best in the world. Like they taught me how to, draw blood from uh an alligator's uh like back of the skull like the sinus back there uh while it's alive and awake um just everything from capture techniques to husbandry to egg incubation to how to display them in zoos how to build and design exhibits and pools and all the aspects of everything possible and it was just unbelievable it was the 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 wildest nine nine and a half days i've ever had and uh yeah you need to go see the albino alligators you need to go see all the the rare species they have black caiman they have more lets they have muggers they have broad snouted caiman black caiman yakari caiman just everything dude it's amazing and then aside from that they've got beautiful facility historic pools great food um 
Yeah, they've got so vultures, cool. lemurs, a bunch of cool stuff there. Yeah, I love. There's that an albino place. at the uh, the Academy of Sciences in mm -hmm. San Francisco. It yeah. used to be called Steinhardt Aquarium. I've right. seen that thing since I was like a little peanut. <laughs> same, dude. I used to see the same gator all the time yeah. as a little kid. I have yeah. that memory etched in my brain. Yeah, from a exactly. Kid looking down on the pool, seeing it. Such a cool animal. My uh -huh. uh, junior prom was at the that place it was crazy oh, i just i ignored everybody and just looked at the animals <laughs> <laughs> all night <laughs> screw dancing and punch yeah, yeah no this is like, like gar and gators and, yeah yeah man there's um there's a there's a book that just came out and um uh, i didn't get it yet but uh I, i'm sure it's gonna it looks pretty interesting but uh the um i'll, I'll show you the the uh the thing it's called uh the secret social lives of reptiles. Yeah, that looks Ooh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what that gets Speaking into. Of Indian Gariel, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's what kind of made me start to think about that. Was uh, is that? So uh, I'm I don't know. I should get it in a couple of days or whatever. But uh, yeah, it oh, looks that's Burkhart. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of fantastic papers that. Uh, rat snake paper that I talked about maybe a month or two ago with the uh, like snake intelligence, snake learning training stuff. That's all Burkhart. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see uh, the, the write up on it was, uh, was pretty cool. It just talked about, um, you know, uh, it covers. So basically the book covers turtles, lizards, snakes, crocodilians, and the tuatara. Um, and basically it goes through explains why reptiles have uh, have been neglected as subjects of social behavior studies provides numerous yes. examples across all major reptilian groups that overturn the false uh, paradigm of solitary reptiles explores the sensory genetic uh, life history and other factors underlying social behaviors in reptiles presents a case that evolutionary experiments found among reptiles offer unparalleled opportunities for understanding how and why social behaviors evolve in animals and identifies new and developing areas of research helping to reshape our view of reptiles. Um, 100%. Yeah, and that's Burkhardt's whole thing is reshaping the, the views around reptiles and trying to correct some of these dogmas and, and stereotypes. Like I I'm a big fan of, of that dude's work. Yeah. It says uh, at the beginning, it was like reptiles have been too often dismissed as dull animals with tiny brains and simple, a social lives In reality reptiles engage in a remarkable diversity of complex social behavior. They can live in families, communicate with one another while still in uh, the egg, which that's crazy. Yeah. Hunt, feed, migrate, court, mate, nest, and all hatch in groups. Uh, sequel social lives of uh, reptiles. Uh, three of the world's uh, leading uh, expert on reptiles bring together a wave of new research with the synthesis of classic studies to produce the only authoritative look at the social behaviors of the most provocative animals on the planet. So yeah. Yeah, he's required reading for, for Zach's lab. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Oh well, Zach likes it, then you know he must be good. <laughs> I know. Now I want that book too. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that sounds like a gem of a book. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, again, it's such a cool time to be in the reptiles because it seems like uh, it's like pushing the envelope. Dude, it's it's the best time to be in reptiles. It's the yeah. best time. And soon as the bandaid of COVID is ripped off, it's going to get even better. Even yeah. better. Shows are going to be nuts. People are going to go wild and 
the floodgates are going to open even wider. And that, that just means more, more people involved, more opportunity for innovation and progress. And it's, I keep telling people all the time when they come into the shop and they're like skeptical about getting their first pet, whatever it is. I'm like, if there was ever a time it's now. Yeah. It, it really truly is. It's the best, whether you just want to keep one thing or make it your lifelong passion and obsession. It's yeah, I think, a great time. I think me, more people will be field herping more so than ever uh, because yeah. they've just been locked up for so long. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's more and more podcasts that talk about the, uh, you know, field yeah. herping and getting out there and, you know, you see it on Facebook groups and stuff and which ultimately I think is a good thing because then, you know, more people will be, um, in tune with, uh, trying to keep the environment and, uh, better and trying cool. to do a better cool. job at, uh, you know, I don't know, just, just good stuff all around. So, yeah, I think it'll be even, I think like, we'll be able to look back on this sort of time in five years and be even more like stoked about where we're at then. I just, yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, the next few years are just going to be pretty wild. I hope. Yeah. I hope we get to travel. I hope I get to finally get out to Australia. I hope we get to do a lot of her. Oh, we're getting the there, States. man. We're yeah. getting there. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? What's what's even more exciting is like right now where we're at is is a good spot to be, but like we're on a good trajectory, like with the with the network, with, with all the shows and the community building. And you know, oddly enough, COVID has sort of driven people to the the digital media so much more than we already were, making it a seem like it's a much more legitimate thing and, and more beneficial for people and kind of like it's replaced TV and it's, it's on its way to replacing news a little bit. And some of these, yeah. these ways people consume stuff and, and inevitably money goes into all of it. And so I'm just excited to see where this network um, takes, takes things for, for us, for you, for Owen, for Lucas, for me. I mean, Lucas is doing grad school stuff. So he's got, you know, tons of angles involved in everything he's doing. You guys are, you know, Eric, you and Owen are like really on the, on a, the precipice to take the, the 10 years of work you've done and, you know, capitalize on this amazing time. And I, I, I can't wait to see what you guys do um, over the next two to four years. Cause you really like, we joke about like starting a, a serpentarium or, you know, a reptile facility. I'm not joking. Or like I'm we not. sort of say it in like, ha ha, that'd be amazing. But like, it's, I think it's, legit. Yeah. I think it can really happen. No, yeah. yeah. I, no jokes I think, here. I think it can be done. Absolutely. No, I would, I would move, I would move, you know what I mean? Like I'm not locked to being here in Pennsylvania or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think that, that, you know, I, I can't imagine how that, that could be a bad thing. I, I don't know, man. It's, if you it's build it, the interns will come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, you know what it is? It's like, I, I, I'm usually pretty good at this stuff. And like, I think once, once things like settle down a bit, uh, I'm just going to research it hard and try to figure out like, yeah. how do you make that happen? But, um, yeah, I, I just, I picture like, you know, I, I've always envisioned this and I have like these ideas, right. And you're kind of like, <laughs> Brett's gonna work in the gift shop. Honestly, no, yeah, it's it's funny. Brett Brett sent me this uh, this in our Texas uh, West Texas uh, field herping group that we were were in. Right, he sent this picture of this uh, this house, and it's like got all this land. And I was like, that could be NPR headquarters, uh, West Texas. It's like mm -hmm. the safe spot for uh, you know. 
Um, I'd be down for West Texas for holy shit, man. So many acres. And the house is like, I'm sitting there going like, I could sell my house, move to West Texas and just hope, you know, get this ball rolling because there's so much land and like you get, it's like $175,000. And I'm like, what, what you could literally (laughs) finance the entire house based on the sale of your house in PA move out there, like be scot-free and yeah, yeah. I know. think about like you know I think like Joe Rogan style of podcasting right and I think if there was like a, a, a um a a serpentarium if you will a place where people would come you would have like a go to spot for like people from all over the world that would go to to see the spot and you right. know you know want to be involved and whatnot and then you could just have them right there doing a in-person yeah you know podcast yeah, just have your studio yeah. room and then owen's white lip room in the back breeding operations <laughs> dude <laughs> everything uh, in one place well so nuts. that i mean that's that's kind of the key to success in a in a in a in an endeavor like that like zoos are not money-making organizations they have to do other things to bring money in ticket right. sales gift sure. shop restaurants memberships uh fundraisers after hours events train rides like things like that so you know more rides yeah more feed feed more one dollar um <laughs> or and, the squirrel uh, yeah yes yeah. Take that's photos the with, money with item. the squirrel five dollars yeah. a picture yeah. so that you would have to diversify the the revenue stream in order to keep the doors open but you really could do it you know short and sweet and and simple and really effective and make it you know who's doing it really well, in my opinion, is uh, Emily from Snake Discovery. Yes, I was um, just thinking that. Yep. They've got a breeding room that's like state of the art as far as like current equipment, racks, enclosures, yeah. thermostats, you know, species of her interest and focus. And then the the actual display room has zoo-like enclosures around. They've got a rescue section. They've got retail stuff everywhere. They've yeah. got educational things. But it's also a home base for her. She's got and a classroom, so she yeah. can do her shows. Yeah. Like. So, like, obviously, her her YouTube show makes enough money to support pretty much the whole endeavor. So, even if she didn't have that, the the retail end of things, um, having a studio there to record her content that makes her the money um, and kind of pays the bills all in one spot is like really strategically brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it takes a little more work, but, you know, if having a retail side of things, having a breeding side of things, all in one building funds, like the studio and the recording and the fun, and you have employees take care of it all, you've literally just hit the jackpot. You've literally yeah. made your dream come true. Yeah. 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 That would, and now is yeah. the perfect time educational programs. It. You know, that, that classroom is, is brilliant because you can have mm-hmm. like birthday parties to mm-hmm. like higher mm-hmm. education lectures. Like it's so versatile, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a great model and, and, you know, obviously you do it with your own flavor to it, yeah. but you know, the reptarium out in Michigan, Brian Barczyk has his recording studio in there. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good idea. I think he's got a whole team that just does that. Obviously that's like, you know, huge level stuff and that's all he does. Not necessarily the example we're trying to emulate, but mm-hmm. um, right. you know, I think Joe Rogan's a great example. He's got his studio on site there. It's, it's a destination where it's a, in a big city, people come out for the comedy, for the fights, for Joe's interviews. And, you know, I would imagine anybody who comes out to be on his recording 
probably spends a weekend out there checking out everything that Houston out there has to offer and they make it sure. a whole thing. And so, yeah, if you have the NPR studio, like this destination studio and, um, you know, I just think like everything what, nearby, it'd be amazing. Yeah. I, I think like West Texas is a good spot because you would go herp in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's yep. like, it's like a place where you would go, especially Scott if you're perfectly herping tours. It'd yeah. be like eco tourism that funds it all, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. especially if you I mean, have like a little like a lodge area people could come you know yeah, bunk beds <laughs> right 100 percent. you know even people yeah, yeah. just in the u.s would go to sort of like absolutely you know, make it a destination yeah, of, of sorts that would be know? super awesome i have this idea like you walk into this to this place where it's sort of like you know maybe you have like um naturalistic you know like just a lot of uh, like rainforest type of thing where you have some like loose reptiles just sort of chilling and whatnot and then it like sort of branches off into these like spots where it's like africa wing australia wing indo wing uh, united yeah. states you know what i mean just like Absolutely. and then you just you walk through this tunnel and then it just takes you you're in the outback you know or you're mm-hmm. in the congo in africa or whatever and now just, you're like, in a cloud forest yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly you know that would be sweet That'd um be really cool yeah yeah oh man all right we i gotta make it. it happen i don't know we could do it we <laughs> we, do we it. have all we have all the pieces to make it work if you think about it lucas could you know bring in the the research and and academic side of things and really participate in in whatever i want to do educational angles <laughs> program director you know you could sit on a throne in the middle of the room and, and throw <laughs> peanuts at owen while he yells at the yeah. employees and then uh, scrub just, harder <laughs> yeah and then and then we you know have a breeding facility have a whole t- yeah dude it, it yeah crock ponds outside it, it's I think only I, a pipe dream until you do it yeah that's right you know yeah, um it's true yeah i i just think that uh yeah i i I don't know, man. Bigfoot tours, yeah. <laughs> Owen could give those. I think yeah. he would believe in Bigfoot if if we could make that happen. There's very few he things. he would admit that Bigfoot exists if he could work at a serpentarium. <laughs> uh, we could have like a big ass corn maze where you have to catch the guy in the Bigfoot suit, and if you win, yeah, you you, you get to like sit down and interview Owen or something for uh, half an hour. Yeah, I, I would be yeah. so much fun to build those enclosures and, you know. There's have, very few oh, things man. that would get me out of the Bay Area, move away from my family. That That's one that yeah. I would do this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it can be done. And, and, and in a place where it's more affordable, your dollar goes further, you're able to save, live well, oh, yeah. and then be able to go visit your family. Yeah, yeah. it's not too far. That's Unlike right. living in California where everything is a brutal expense. I'd need AC to keep my freaking husky from spontaneously combusting, but you oh. know, other than that, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, all right. Well, I guess I got to get to work. All right, uh, we'll do it. Yeah, sounds good. It's a plan. We did <laughs> just get we'll more patrons. It. Easy. Uh, yeah, just baby stuff. You know, I think like to me, right? I think like there's a lot of, and I I could be just missing it. If I'm missing it, please send me uh, what it is. I see a lot of people that herp. Uh, and they herp in their own spot or like I see like I think I think it's Zilla or I, I don't know which company does it, but they do like that behind the glass thing where they're kind of, you know what I mean? And and it's like, OK, it's like, you know, they do it every once in a while, whatever. But like I would love uh, my idea with the YouTube channel for herping is to legitimately herp around the world. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. go to all these different places and just bring that. And, and if there is one that's out there that does that. Um, 
please send me a link to it so I can watch it because I, you know, there's just so many places that are cool in the world. And, yeah. you know, I can't imagine that, uh, um, that that wouldn't be a hit, you know, I mean, anything from, um, no, yeah, Scott, we're not doing it that yeah, way. No, Don't worry not. about That's, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, no. you just brought it up because of the studio thing is yeah, very the close. Studio aspect, close was the to only Rogan. Thing. Thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're, we're not copying him. We're copying no, no, Rogan, no. who copied. No. We're him. not followers. We are trendsetters. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Damn skip. Um, so yeah, the whole idea with this whole thing and everything was just to try to start to push that envelope and see where we can take it. So I well, know. and I think it's maybe I think ten years. I don't know. I think it'll be sooner, man. I think the prime time will be sooner than that because you think soon as everything's lifted after COVID, people are going to go out and then they're going to love seeing going people going out and yeah. just be more interested in seeing what other people are seeing, even if they can't necessarily go there. You know, I think herping videos are getting more popular, which is why Noah Fields from NKF Herping is able yeah. to literally go herping full as his time job. as his job. You know, and actually, I should put a, a plug out there for him. I don't know if you saw this, but he was out um, with another gentleman who does some field herping, and their bags were stolen that had camera gear, memory cards, equipment, computer, Damn. like all this shit, like thousands and thousands of dollars. So um, I'm pretty sure he's got a backlog of videos, but he posted, I think it a couple days ago, he posted something on Instagram or on some social media thing. Um, so he got jacked basically. So he lost a lot of camera equipment and I think he's starting a GoFundMe. So I'm not sure how to find that, but I think it's up there. Probably not okay. too hard to find, but anyway, I don't have any other channels that you haven't already put me on to because you've seemed to found the really good ones. And so I watch pretty much all of the same stuff that you do, right. but I, I don't think there is, a global herping channel out there. The closest thing to that was a few years ago when Brian Cusco um, and Forrest, they went to like Indo and then they did a few other trips in Australia yeah. with Dave, you know, Dave might be one of the closest people to it, but yeah, even yeah. still he's, he's, you know, he's got his focus and his, his audience. And so that kind of directs his content. And then he also does a fishing channel now. And so I, I don't think there's anything quite like what you're, what you're saying is out there. Yeah, Lou Boyer. Actually, uh, as soon as we finish oh, Lou this, Boyer, that's a great yeah, one too. Yeah, it's funny that you bring him up because as soon as we, uh, as I finish this, I'm going to be putting the uh, final touches on episode two for the Field Herping podcast, and nice. the he is really the guest, if you will. Um, if you want to call it a guest, it's not a guest like NPR style guest right. type of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, there's it's going to be cool. I have to. Uh, Phil has to put some finishing touches on it tonight and uh, nice. hopefully in the next couple of days it will be uh, I know it's a little behind schedule but uh, you know I got sick it's a couple of days and stuff but um, yeah uh, I'm hoping to get that out and then we'll be working on episode three which I don't know I guess we can maybe I don't know if this one is going to be it but we're going to be talking to Mark O'Shea uh, which is Sweet. which is pretty friggin' awesome. We're gonna That's be talking amazing. about the rough scale story, herping in uh, Papua New Guinea. Oh, Obviously, man. I'm gonna get some. Uh, you know, I can't go and talk Papua New Guinea and not get some um, real solid 
Apadura talk uh, from the man himself out there. Scrub pythons, you know, uh, you know, just mm. Um, mm. everything you know. Apadura, please. Yeah, please. So please, please. that's super exciting. Can't wait <sighs> yeah, to hear that. That's going to be a great one. I, I would, I would, I don't even want to be involved in something like that. I just want to listen. <laughs> I would yeah. be so scared. I have like, nope. I, don't send I, me the I gotta be honest, man. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna have to buck up. Marco Shea is a guy just like we're guys, and you know, yeah, I'm just gonna have to have that in my mindset as I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I watched you when I was a kid, man. You're so freaking cool, dude. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Ah, uh, damn it, Scott. Why'd you got to bring me down, right? Oh my legislation. Gosh. Yeah. That's a naughty word. I don't if like we, that hey, word. Legislation usually has a little asterisk for if it's educational, you can get your permit or whatever. So we just have to build that classroom. <laughs> Texas, Texas is pretty yeah. lenient too. So yeah. Yeah. You don't know how Texas rolls there, Scott. <laughs> they don't give dude, Scott, in Texas, you you don't even have to like show any form of identification or anything to like I think you just have to show like your driver's license to buy a gun there. Like you can go buy <laughs> rifles and shit. Like that's like, how little they care. Yeah. Yep. You're a person. Here's a gun. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's they're They're cool about a lot of freedoms and letting people kind of do their thing within some reason. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So yeah, hopefully, uh, I hopefully enjoyed that works a lot out. of my Texas stops on tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a cool, cool place, place, man. Yeah. Very, very cool lot, place. Yeah, it's a yeah. big place. There's a lot of variety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dallas I, uh, was a lot different than, you know, the uh, highway stops along the way in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny. Uh, when when we were there for the uh, the original Southern Carpet Fest was uh, at Bill's spot, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he... Uh, he basically was telling me uh, we went there and we we're hanging out and I was hanging out with Evan Browder. Right. And he's yeah. telling me about uh, what a burger. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's called what a burger, but when he what was saying it, he's saying it like I say water, water. You know? So he's going water burger. So I was like, why the hell would you put water on a burger? Do you boil the burger? What kind of bullshit is that? And he's like, you don't like no, your man. soggy buns. It's like what a burger. I'm like, no man what are you talking about i was like oh and what is he talking about and, and then i went there and i was like oh it's what a burger i just it's my stupid philly <laughs> accent that's uh screwing things up so wait uh, uh eric have you ever had in and out no that's no. crazy that's a west coast thing right riley we gotta fix that yeah oh, i gotta come I, out there man i might hurt your feelings lucas oh, i like In-N-Out? i like in and out but i don't love in and out you can't hurt my feelings because I don't eat beef, but the fries are top notch in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Wait, In and Out's you- great because you can. There's like their secret menu. You can get all the different layers of shit. But I, um, I don't know, man. That's not my go-to burger spot. So what is the go-to burger spot on the West Coast? For me now, it's the habit. The habit. Really? Yeah. Mm. It started in Santa Barbara. The original habit was in Santa Barbara, and the guy who started it, his brother, also started a a burger taco shop over in Goleta, 15 minutes north. And when I lived in Goleta, I was just down the street from it. Same recipes, same burgers, same fries and everything. Just not, you know, never took off like the habit. So the OG habit in Santa Barbara, like I lived there for 11 years and I got to see habit come and then develop and I enjoyed it. And now that it's everywhere, I'm like, yes, yes. It's so good. That's my aunt lives in Goleta. Have you had what is it? Lil- Lily's tacos. Lily's, yep. 
Yeah, that's good. So I'm going to end with this. Um, <laughs> it's um, no uh, when um, I I don't know what it is. I, I'm not. I never. When I was younger, I was never a burger person. But I think it's some kind of like some kind of thing I have with my wife. Whenever we go anywhere, we try to find a new bur like a local burger spot or whatever, and try the the burger or whatever. Like I'm not. I'm, I don't hunt down. Bur it looks like I hunt down burgers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I don't. However, when I was in Australia, um, you know, Scott was telling me about this burger with beets on it and eggs and everything. Uh, so, like, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you're in Rome, uh, yeah, <laughs> do, Rome, as do as the Romans, Romans do. Yeah. Earthy. So, I will share with you beets. this. This is a Humpty Doo, uh, yeah, burger. Oh, that looks good. Those fries were prime. I it. like thick fries. Steak fries. Yes, man. Yeah. Steak fries. Well done. Yeah. Cooked. Nice and crisp. Light Ooh. on the and fluffy on the inside. Mm. Dude, that was a good burger. And you I can haven't... see, I think. Oh, yeah. Really? Hello. But yeah. There was me about to, uh, to dive into the uh, into the uh, nice. burger of choice. Man, nice. it was delicious. I but, haven't eaten anything today, so this is painful. Yeah, this is torture. Ah, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> there we go. Oh man, that looked so good. So we'll I all do, go have I some do burgers miss now. cows sometimes. What's that? Cow, you do miss cows. cows? Occasionally. I loved eating beef. I didn't stop because I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, what is it? Yeah. Uh poor Lucas. Is it uh farm factory farming or something like oh, that? Or? It's an environmental thing for me. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, beef's yeah. pretty tough on the world, but it does taste good. God damn it tastes good, man. Doesn't it yes. take like two thousand gallons of water for per cow or something like that? It's an ungodly sum. I don't know it off the top of my head, but yeah, I remember yeah. seeing some statistics. There's it, like it takes the world... an ass load of water to produce a steak. Right? Yeah, it's it, for like one burger, it's like the amount of gallons is a little bit mind shattering, but God yeah. damn it. Now you're making me feel bad, Lucas. Sorry. It's all going to hell anyway. Enjoy your beat. Right. Right. We're all screwed. Yeah, I guess I'm on the way out. So I don't know. I didn't have kids. So there you go. So I, I don't know if that balances things out. Sure. You <laughs> a few years of good karma, huh? Sure. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I'm gonna go oh, with that. Go get out there. It's Memorial Day. I gotta get yeah. a cage before the vivarium closes for nice. an animal that is arriving. <sighs> Sweet. Yeah, let's jump off. We're at two hours. All right. Yeah, perfect timing. I will uh I will just say MoreyPythonRadio.com. If you want to get in touch with us, info at MoreyPythonRadio.com. You can find everything you need to find right there. Check out all the shows, all the things. Lots of shows. Lots of shows. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, That's everybody. It. Short and sweet. All yeah, right. All Thanks right. for everyone who joined in. This was a great one, as yeah. always. And uh, we'll keep you posted on whatever schedule changes may or may not come with the show. Uh, right. And we'll let you know accordingly. And we'll see you all some point next week, hopefully. All right. Enjoy your day. Adios. Adios.